0: Thank you so much, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Farouk, Women's Health Advocate and IVF Mom to One. Today, we are joined by a friend named Charlie Dice. Charlie, thank you so much, my dear, for coming on the show and sharing with us your story.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Monique, for having me. I'm excited to be here today.
0: Charlie, can you tell us how you and your husband met? Girl, how did that all go down?
1: Yeah, um so we met in college. Um we live in South Central Pennsylvania, so we both actually ended up at Penn State. And uh he's 2 years older than me, so we ended mm-hmm. up only having, you know, a little bit of time together at school. And then we kind of just did the long distance thing and he has a family farm here where we live now. Um so I'm originally from uh Lancaster County, but after I graduated, I I moved down here and, you know,
0: 16 yeah. years later, here we are, so. Wow, wow. You guys got together pretty um pretty young then, because you don't look old, girl. I don't know how old you are, but you don't, you oh, don't look thank like it's you. been I'm 36, years. so. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. too bad. I went too far off. Good. Um, yeah. So, very cool. Family farm, PA, as mm-hmm. I told you before. I also lived in PA for a little while. I'm not from there, but yes, um, I love Lancaster County. It's such a beautiful place. Is. How long did you guys date before you got married, actually?
1: So we dated um, for five years before we got
0: married. Okay. Okay. And had you guys yeah. discussed having children prior to getting married? Was that something that you always felt like you wanted to do?
1: Actually, no. Um, so I think I'm a little bit non-traditional in that sense. Um, I, growing up, I was never the little girl that actually wanted to be a mom. <laughs> Uh, i'd always dreamed of getting married, I wanted to have a partner in life, but um having children just wasn't something that I was really passionate about uh you know, I wanted to travel, I wanted to have a career, I wanted to you know have a stable life um first, and then it ended up you know we were very honest with each other from the beginning, you know, I made it very clear to him before we got married that you know that was something that i wasn't sure about. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was on board with it. Um, obviously, as we got older, you know, that kind of sparked some discussions. And, you know, he always wanted a family more than I did. And so when I hit 30, you know, my biological clock kind of started ticking. And and he's mm-hmm. older than me, so, you know, his was as well. And we knew that if we were going to do it, you know, we had to just do it and, and get on the thing. So, um, you know, that – it was a more traditional, non traditional route, you know, mm-hmm. kind of to motherhood or trying for motherhood for me than I think most women.
0: Yeah, I resonate with that. I was I was the girl too that did everything to prevent pregnancy, right? You know? Yeah. In early yeah. adulthood. And I I didn't see myself being a mom either. Like I really didn't. I was <laughs> I grew up an only child, so I'm kind of I'm pretty selfish. Okay. I have a sister, but we didn't grow up in the same household, you know, different marriages, right? That's mm-hmm. what sort I of was saying on my father's mm-hmm. side. And so I resonate with that. I was like kids what Are you serious my freedom is everything <laughs> right yeah so it's just yeah so and funny quiet change, and a, right yeah yeah
1: quiet time oh alone gosh. time like that's that's my jam so I uh yeah yes, kids indeed. don't really fit into that too well <laughs> Mm-mm, not at all
0: <laughs> I definitely um I definitely didn't start feeling that that twinge until closer to 30 uh of mm-hmm. course right at the time of diagnosis and so it's so strange how Uh, almost a decade of being in your twenties can change you so much. And yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, I think, I guess to some degree it's probably like some kind of biological hormone, um, feeling that you kind of get and I think um it's a lot of signs behind that if I'm not mistaken so I resonate with that girl I didn't I didn't I wasn't really I was like okay maybe one but just for him but yeah (laughs) yeah I really wasn't yeah oh good I'm glad to find
1: like a a, another woman out there who kind of you know has that path because it's I don't know maybe people aren't I don't want to say they're not honest with themselves but I don't think it's something that as a society like we're supposed to say as women that we didn't really feel Mm -mm. that maternal instinct from the time we're little, but yeah, I definitely didn't. And, you know, for me, it just kind of came on naturally and it sounds like it did for you as well, um, later in life. And I I think that's Mm -hmm. totally okay too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, that especially now in this economy, this, this this the societal structure and the way that it is, and a lot of people moving away from patriarchal structures and traditional structures mm-hmm. and kind of doing things their own way that fits them, we'll see more of that. And, and we're all seeing more of it, you know. Janet Jackson didn't have her baby until she was like fifty years old, so I mean, there's that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and so many other public figures and celebrities that we uh, that share their stories, and so I I like to ask that question only because it really. It just amazes me again, how, how much we can change in just a number of years and our Mm -hmm. perspectives and what we desire can change so quickly. And so you stated that you started kind of getting that inkling, like, wow, maybe I do want one, at least one. And Mm -hmm. so was that something that uh, scared you at all? Did you? Oh, yeah, I was terrified. Yeah. I was absolutely
1: Mm -hmm. terrified. Um, you know, because like you said, you know, I was the girl that, and I think health education in our country anyway, like that's all they teach is abstinence. And, you know, if you have a baby young, your life is going to be over. So I was very much like, you know, absolutely not. I am not going to fall into that trap. And so, (laughs) um, (laughs) yeah, so it was very much, um, You know, when I even started thinking about, you know, because I was on birth control for 20 years, you know, my husband, I never, even when I was on birth control, you know, we always use protection. Like I was like, let's double up because I'm not doing this. And, you know, when Mm -hmm. we started trying, uh, yeah, I was absolutely just scared out of my mind.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that although we go into the trying to conceive paths, I don't hear a lot of people speaking about the fear of actually having it happen uh, and and becoming a parent, becoming my mom, becoming pregnant. Uh, For me, I feel like motherhood begins with pregnancy and I'm Mm pro-choice as well. And so, um, you know, bodily autonomy and all those things. But I also believe that at conception, motherhood begins if that's what you desire, you know, there's a lot of things that can transpire that mm-hmm. people don't feel that way. And that's totally fine and normal to those, uh, you know, situations and things. But, um, yeah, it's a very scary thing. Like, it's exciting, but it's it's scary. And it's all these emotions, much like the trying to conceive journey is, right? And so yeah. how long did you guys try on your own before seeking help?
1: So we tried, um, for two years naturally on our own, and we never even got a positive pregnancy test during that time. And it was a little shocking for us because, you know, I have a brother and my husband is one of three and all of our siblings, you know, would get pregnant at the drop of a hat and no problems carrying to term, you know, all healthy babies, which is obviously, you know, what we want, but, um, I think that's what also scared me too, is because we both had this family history of, you know, being very fertile. And so when we started trying, I think we just had it in our minds that it was going to happen right away and we weren't going to have any issues. And, you know, it didn't. Um, and like I said, we had, you know, we tried two years naturally, um, no positive pregnancy tests. We did then go in for testing, just preliminary stuff. Um, you know, and they, they diagnosed me with unexplained, uh, you know, secondary infertility, female infertility. So that was a, you know, kind of a shock for me because I felt very guilty and very ashamed that, you know, it was on my side that we were having issues. Um, You know, I'm sure we'll get into it later on, but you know, it ended up not just being me, but um, yeah, we, we finally then in August of 2020, got our first positive pregnancy test um still trying naturally you know i hadn't done any drugs at this point mm-hmm. and uh you know unfortunately that one uh only lasted 10 and a half weeks
0: so mm. wow so did you had you gone to your ultrasounds and done all those things at the time yeah. yeah yeah
1: so we heard you know we heard the heartbeat um on that one and so after you hear that you know i guess you just you don't think that anything is going to go wrong. You think that, you know, it's just going to progress the way that it's supposed to. And at 10 and a half weeks, you know, I started bleeding and my husband was actually away for the weekend. So I was mm-hmm. by myself and I thought, you know, this just isn't right. Like I, you know, I called my OB and, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, if it gets any worse, if the bleeding gets any heavier, you know, you can go to the emergency room. And, and that's ended, ended up, being what happened. And so I, Mm. you know, drove myself to the emergency room and spent six hours myself in the, you know, and, Mm. um, it's kind of that feeling when they take you in for the ultrasound and the tech doesn't say anything and tells Mm. you that the doctor's going to have to be the one to, you know, explain what's going on. Like you already know in your head Mm. and in your heart, you know, what's happened and you just want someone to say it out loud. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was our first our first miscarriage um, ended up having to have a d and c for that one, um mm-hmm. which was also very traumatic. Um, the recovery process didn't go as expected and mm-hmm. um yeah, it was just it, for someone that had never wanted to be a mom to have to go through all that physically, mentally, and emotionally, like that was very difficult
0: yeah because then it's like you I think what I was gathering when you were talking to was like you started coming to terms with and not really coming to terms with you really started to embrace the idea of motherhood and which also has another layer of emotional turmoil right yeah Mm -hmm. definitely understand that I'm so sorry for you guys' losses as well and so after your recovery period did you had the conversation with hubby to kind of reconvene and see if you guys still wanted to move forward?
1: Yeah. I mean, and honestly, it took about eight months for my cycle to even kind of, you know, balance out again and be regular enough wow. to the point where I could tell that, you know, I was ovulating and everything. So mm-hmm. for those eight months, you know, it was just kind of, we, we didn't try, we were just kind of, living, you know, going day to day. And then, um, you know, we did decide to try again. Um, but this time we went in for, um, you know, IUI and we did that. And then we also mm-hmm. had some additional, um, testing done and we found out that I had, you know, very low ovarian reserve. And I also had the egg quality of a 55 year old. Um, and at the mm-hmm. time I was 33, 32, 33. Um, and my husband ended up, you know, when they tested him, it actually on the scale registered 0% for sperm wow. motility and morphology. And they did the test a few times because they said, we've, we've actually never, you know, had a test register 0%. So they did it a couple more times and it ended up being, you know, the best that we could get was 1%. So mm. we knew that you know it was going to be a very uphill battle for us, um, and long story short, we ended up getting pregnant two more times um, over the next four years, and mm-hmm. they both ended again in, in early miscarriage. so
0: mm. and those those last two times were they um, natural pregnancies or assisted medicated pregnancies?
1: They were natural. Um, so okay. we did not have success with the IUI. Um we did try one round of IVF. That was all we could mm-hmm. afford um because insurance mm-hmm. didn't cover any of it. And unfortunately that didn't work either. Um, so they were they were both
0: natural conceptions. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. I gotcha. And how was it deciding about IVF? I know that must have been uh very What's the word I'm looking for? My mind escapes me right now. But it's almost like this unreal kind of feeling that you're in that position. What was that what was that conversation like with your doctor and like just sitting in that office and, and it's like womp 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 is all you hear while they're talking about all the options based on your case and your test results?
1: Yeah, it really was surreal and and kind of like you just, you know indicated with the sound effects like it really was like the charlie brown you know teacher and i just mm-hmm. kind of remember sitting there not really even knowing what to say or how to respond to it because i just never mm-hmm. imagined myself being in that chair in that situation so i thought you know and my husband and i obviously discussed it together you know we thought well They're telling us that, you know, there's a 33% chance that this is going to work, which was a little bit better than trying naturally. And we Mm -hmm. just wanted to say at the end of our journey, whatever the outcome was, that we had done everything we could, you know, to try to have this family that we wanted. So we didn't want to leave any regret on the table. And we wanted to at least say, you know, we tried essentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. That's, that's kind of how I felt too. It was like, okay, I'll give it at least one shot <laughs> at the very mm-hmm. minimum. Um, and I had like mm-hmm. a plan of like how many I would do after that, if we needed it. And my cat mm-hmm. was like three or four, I've said it before on the show, like three or four was my cat. I wasn't going to do it mm-hmm. any longer than that. And unfortunately, so women, so many women and men have a difficult time coming off that train of trying through, um, ART and they go five, 10, you know, 20 times trying to conceive. And so through, um, ART and I just, it's a whirlwind. It really is. And Mm -hmm. after, during that IVF cycle, how were you coping emotionally with all that you were going through and all the losses you guys had been in at that point?
1: Yeah, not well, to be honest, um, you know, and I, I talk about it openly. You know, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder 15 years ago mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I've been on medication ever since. And so my mental health is always something that is very precious to me because it's very precarious mm-hmm. as well. Um, and yeah, just the constant fear of failure and the constant fear of guilt if, you know, something didn't work out if my body failed me again or failed my husband again like it I wasn't coping well. I mean, I was I was still working and I was still functioning as an adult, you know, in society, but when I would come home, you know, I I wouldn't go anywhere, I wouldn't see anyone, I wouldn't, you know, interact with friends and family because I just didn't want the conversation to come up. I didn't want the pity, I didn't want the opinions. Um so coping really was just kind of existing for me and just getting through each day and hoping that i was at least making steps in the right direction which you know you never know if you are or not um so yeah yeah, it was it was difficult for sure
0: absolutely and and i don't um we hadn't talked earlier but uh how was it going to work every day um in your field, and dealing with all of this, and having so many different discussions um around you, especially pertaining to your coworkers, maybe having children and such, did you find yourself delving more into work or kind of um, pulling away from those people that you work with that you get along with really well?
1: Yeah, no, I actually dove more into my work uh, I'm a self proclaimed a workaholic and perfectionist. So that was a good outlet for me. That was really my only outlet um, that, you know, at least took my mind off of the situation for a time, but I didn't even tell anyone at at my job that I was going through treatment. So it was just kind of, I mean, I'm sure they suspected at some level, but it was more of, I just told them, you know, I have these Doctor's appointments, you know, they're trying to figure stuff out, but I didn't actually mm-hmm. tell them what it was for. And I do work with a younger group of, um, you know, co workers. And so some of them gotcha. had gotten pregnant during this time. And so that was very difficult. I mean, and that's another reason why I kind of just kept it to myself because I just didn't want to have those conversations. I didn't know if I would be able to have them without breaking down and have it affect, mm. you know, my professional life. So.
0: Right. And then like, kind of feel judged, um, mm-hmm. by people, whether it's positive or negative, you know? yeah. And then I would imagine, and I'm not speaking for you or anyone else, but I would imagine for myself, I would probably feel like this old ass lady who can't freaking even get pregnant. Okay. Like in all these mm-hmm. younger people coming after me, um, who can and who seemingly do it so easy. And so that yeah. would be probably my, that probably would have been my most critical thought going to work each mm-hmm. day. And, and if I outed myself in that way. So I think a lot of people probably resonate with that. And I think a lot of times the, I speak a lot on a platform about silently suffering and not doing it alone. Right. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I, I I think back to my own story and I'm like, well, keeping it silent, also kind of protected me I feel like in many ways and that was a boundary I think that we create for ourselves and not necessarily for other people um Mm -hmm. so yeah I totally understand that and after at the time of your last IVF well your first and last IVF cycle did you guys take a break to reconvene again about what life would look like from here on out we
1: did. Um. So we took a year off actually, and that was so that we could actually do some of the things that we had been putting off and giving up during our journey, you know, like some traveling and vacations and, um, you know, just spending time again together as a couple and kind of reconnecting because there were definitely times during the journey that we didn't even, you know, we, we loved each other on some level, but we didn't like each other just because of all mm. the stress that you know, we were under. And so after that year, you know, we said, we'll, we'll make a decision on this. And it ended up, you know, we, we made the decision to stop and to just be a family of two, um, you know, with our, our dogs, of course, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And honestly, that was the best decision that, that we could make for us personally. I mean, everybody has to make it for themselves, whatever's right for their situation. But for us, that was a very freeing um moment in mm. our relationship and in our lives, and I don't regret it for a second
0: mm. and what uh, and you when you use the word freeing um what did that encompass sort of i guess on the emotional level of things, How did that feel
1: yeah, I mean. It sounds cliché but it it just did feel like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and it mm-hmm. felt like I could actually breathe again and that I didn't have to fear every single month you know seeing that negative test or seeing the you know results of failed testing with IVF and and all the you know things that go along with that so I was just I felt very free from that phase of despair and chaos. And Mm -hmm. I felt like I was able to be myself again, you know, reconnect with who I was as a woman and a person, because I think IVF and the infertility journey. I mean, again, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, you know, it just very much felt like a loss of self. Like I had no idea Mm -hmm. who I was outside of infertility. And, you know, I just, I really started to remember what my priorities were and what my mm-hmm. goals were and what made me want to get out of bed every day, you know, once I had made the decision with my husband to stop. And that's, so for me, that was my
0: definition of, of freedom. Mm, yeah, that's, um, it's, um, it's bittersweet, right? It kind of feels bittersweet, mm-hmm. especially again, you being someone who initially didn't see yourself having children anytime soon if at all and then embracing the idea of motherhood just to be told that you're gonna to continue to miscarry or your eggs are not good enough or you don't have enough of them, you know, and then the dual factor of you guys' is diagnosis as a couple. And so mm-hmm. um that is a lot to 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 work through and to um allow yourself that freedom. Uh is a, is a kind of a beautiful thing, really. And I feel like that almost is like giving yourself grace in a, in a way yeah. because you are giving yourself permission to move forward, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I, guess, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> when I listen back, I'll see if it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, you're exactly right, you know. And I think as women in general, you know, we don't give ourselves permission to do a lot of things. And Mm. I feel like I learned through the process that my body is still mine and I still have the control over it to make the decisions for it that I want, you know, regardless of anything else.
0: Mm. Ooh, that's what I would call a (laughs) word that is, if, if we knew anything today, we know that our body is still ours. And, uh, especially with the political landscape of our nation right now. Um, yeah, yeah. that is, that is, that is pivotal. And mm-hmm. so what did it look like moving forward after that year of like, just breathing and really making the decision? Where did you find yourself? doing that you had kind of stayed away from as as far as activities and or people that um, you may have distanced yourself from while you were trying to conceive?
1: Yeah, I think we just, you know, and I'm not here to say that it was easy. I mean, it's a Mm -hmm. path that there's not a lot of support out there for and people don't talk about it. And so there's not a lot of information you know to to lean on to help you so we kind of just leaned on each other and went back to the basics you know we started going on dates again we started mm-hmm. um you know hanging out with our our friends uh both together and separately you know we started uh doing our hobbies again you know things that just everything that we had let go uh you know during our infertility journey and so that was you know, that was very helpful in just, again, like reclaiming our sense of self and remembering what brought us joy and being able to actually, you know, go out and get it again.
0: I love that reclaiming self statement. Um, And I think that we can do that at any stage of whether we're building still or whether we're paused or whether we don't know or whether we're in the beginning, I think that we we all need those moments to bring us back to ground zero and ground ourselves you know and I feel like a lot of Mm -hmm. this trying to conceive path just lifts up lifts us off the floor and we're like on this cloud just floating along doing going this way or that way and we need those moments of grounding Um, and I think we get we get lost in the journey and we forget what truly yeah. does ground us before that you know wow that's mm-hmm. really uh, really 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 powerful and so because you guys kind of like leaned on each other to to soothe to cope to cry together to laugh together to find out who you are as a couple together you know and what life will look like mm-hmm. henceforward. if there's a friend out there who may be close to making that decision or is, um, considering it, what would you say to them to, to help them maybe have some more clarity or a word of encouragement?
1: Yeah, I think everybody, you know, kind of knows deep down who they are, whether they want to recognize it or not. And so, you know, I'm not here to tell them. One thing or another that will work or not work for them. But if I had to offer any sort of advice, it's just that, you know, you know who you are and you know what you're about and you know what you value. And if you have to, you know, write those values down so that they're in black and white and that they're out in the universe and just look at them every single day. And that will tell you the direction that you need to go in, um, and even sometimes how to get there. So it's, you know, you're never lost enough to the point that you can't come back from this and you can't reclaim who you were. Uh, You know, you're not the same person as you were before, obviously, but you still have, you know, your core values that you can always fall back on. and you know, you just need to reclaim them and then that will give you, you know, the direction that you need.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. And Charlie, you have created a a e e-course of sorts or um, to help women who are have been diagnosed with infertility, um, whether they've decided to be childless, not by choice or not. And so can you tell us a little bit more about how you birthed that that roadmap of sorts to help other people?
1: Yeah, I think it comes back to the old adage of, you know, um, invention is... is, you know, born of necessity. Mm -hmm. I needed support and I wasn't able to find it. You know, I tried the therapy route and my therapist is lovely and I've worked with her for years, but it was something that she had not experienced or lived. And so there was always that disconnect there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I would go into social media groups, but they were very polarized. It was either, you know, childless or child free. There was no in between, you know, there was no um, support for those that were not still in the infertility journey. And so I just started doing my own research. I started reading a lot of actually older, um, you know, texts from Mm. doctors, you know, even back in the sixties and seventies who were talking about this, but yet those, um, that material kind of got lost over time Mm. for whatever reason. And, you know, once I had kind of done that research, I thought, well, you know, there it's one in four women, you know, that deal with this. So it's not like I'm alone by any means. There's other people out there that have got to be feeling what I'm feeling. And, I decided to start sharing my story for the very first time. And I did it on social media. And I, mm. I'm i a very introverted person by nature. I'm very private. But I used social media kind of just as a way to talk to myself. I didn't really mm. think that anybody was going to listen. Um, and they did start listening. And they started asking, you know, what had I done? And, and what did, you know, what helped me? And where was I at now in my journey? And I ended up you know, just from talking to all these different women, you know, I created, it's actually a, it's a a one-on-one coaching program. So I do work with them, you know, either remotely or uh, in person if they're local here. And Mm -hmm. we go through that process. We go through, you know, everything from how do you make a decision, you know, to stop trying to how do you live your life? You know, I identify now as child-free, not by choice, um, mm-hmm. because I don't like to think of myself as child-less. And that's just me personally. That has, you know, if you if you feel that way, like that's perfect for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to encourage the women that I go through, you know, my program with to think of themselves as as free, you know, free from what they're coming out of, and free to move forward into whatever is next for them, so in a nutshell, you know it's a one on one coaching program where we we work through that entire process, you know, to get them moving forward again and realize that there can be joy after infertility and there can be happiness and there can be fulfillment. Um, you just need to find your people and find the the support from those that have actually lived the experience because as with anything, unless you've lived it, um, you know, you truly don't understand and, and that's okay. It's totally okay to not understand. Um, but if you have lived it and you need support, you need to find someone else that has lived it.
0: Yeah. I love that you teach the freedom and in the joy aspect of after they've decided to move forward, um, child-free. And so where can we find you online, dear?
1: Yeah, so I'm usually on Instagram. That's the best place that you can find me. Um, my handle is at Life Beyond Infertility. Um, I do have my website, which is just um, www.charliedice.com.
0: And those are usually the easiest ways to to get a hold of me. And I'll have all of Charlie's information in the show details, so you guys don't be lazy. Just click and tap, okay? Go right to her Instagram page and/or her website. I have it linked for you guys. Um, thank you, Charlie, for coming on the show and um, just giving us this vulnerable time of your life that you shared with us, and offering so much wisdom and 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 hope. Honestly, to be quite honest, a lot of hope in this episode. And I love that for our friends listening. So I appreciate you for giving us some of your time today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much again, Monique, for allowing me the space to, you know, talk about it. Because I think we only focus on the negative aspects of infertility, Mm -hmm. but it can be hopeful. um, And you can find, you know, peace again after it. And I think we need to to get that out into the world and let women know, you know, that, that there is that light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, and others have gotten to it. So if you would like to find your way to it, there's people there that will, you know, hold your hand and, and help you, you know, walk you towards it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Infertility Emmy podcast. You guys know where to find me. Okay. Infertility me podcast anywhere and everywhere.